you are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Uh, we are in our second week of our, uh, of our series, Finished, and, um, and so here, here is our, our, our um, main text, if you will, for, for our series today is in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 30. I believe it's on the screen. There it is. This is Jesus speaking, and this is good news for everyone that's here this morning. He says this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come on, somebody. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This idea that what Jesus has for you, when you can place yourself under him, that it's going to be a lot lighter than what culture can give you. It's going to be a lot lighter than what this world can offer you. And so I'm excited to explore what that is. Uh, our, 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 I keep um, our series title, there it is, our series title is based off of Jesus. He's on the cross. He's about to say, take his last breath, and he says, it is finished. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're looking at some things that, that we tend to hold on to, but we don't have to because it is finished. And so uh, this week, I'm excited about it. So let's pray, and uh, we'll jump right in. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to, to come here and to hang out and to, uh, to hang out with one another, but also, God, to hang out with you. And, and so I pray right now that because nobody has uh, 70 minutes to waste, God, I pray that we would leave here changed. We would leave here different. God, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone set? Amen. amen, amen. Hey, so we believe here that a quiet church is a dead church. And so that simply means that if I'm saying something good or, or it's resonating with your heart, you can be like, amen. You can say, preach, preacher, you know, whatever. Go brown, boy. like whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, if it's really good, we, you, you can stand up. You stand up and just look at me and, and just nod, Okay. And I know that, 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 that you're getting it. If it's really good, you stand up, cross your arms, and then just nod. You don't even have to say anything. You, you just nod, and we're good. So, so for those of you that have been here for any stretch of, of time, you know that I am not uh, the outdoorsy type of person. Like, that's not me. Like, I, I'm not going to, I, I would rather go shopping than, like, hunting, right? Like, that's just that's what it is. I'd rather I'd rather get a haircut than fix a car or whatever you do with cars. Like I, that's just I like I'm not that guy. And, and and so, but I do know this. I do know this that to be a good parent, sometimes you just even if it's not your cup of tea, you just kind of do what your kids want to do, like an activity, right? And so, um, and I think the reason is, is because when they get mad at you, like, uh, daddy, you never do anything you want. You're like, shut up. Like, I did. I took you this place, or I did that with you, right? That's why I do it anyways. Um, and so anyways, anyways, so so, so my kids, um, they, they, they were like, daddy, I want to go fishing. Okay, this was a couple summers ago. Uh, I, I want to go fishing. And I'm like, okay, we can, we can go fishing. Like, this is my opportunity to score some Dad points and 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 so uh, we we go to Walmart. We get uh, we get yarn, not yarn. What is it called? We we like string. What fishing line? We get fishing line. We we get a <laughs> yarn. 
What are we, crocheting? See, I know what crochet is. I don't know what yarn. Or, anyways, so we, we go and we buy, uh, we, buy, um, ba- we buy fake worm, like the rubber worm things. And <clears throat> we buy the little uh, weights and we buy the line. My kids didn't have any, any uh, fishing poles, so we bought, I bought them, like, this cool, like, Iron Man fishing pole, little mini ones, and, and, and so, like, I'm, I'm just thinking we're just going to have fun. It's going to be an awesome time to go out. I'm not expecting to catch anything because I don't even know what we're doing. Um, so we get there. We go to Spring Lake. I, I don't know how to bait a fish or bait a hook or string up. I don't know. I YouTube it, right? So I'm learning. I'm learning on the go. I'm YouTubing it. I finally get the hook on. I get the, the weight on. Uh, we put the little worm on there, and, and so we're just we're just casting it out, right? And in that moment, I'm like, John, you are the best dad ever. I'm like, John, you, you like if there were awards, like you should win because you are phenomenal, right? Like this is what's going on in my head. Like I'm I'm just I'm patting myself on the shoulder. Um, and, and so, so, so here, the, my, my, my daughter and my son, they're, they're, they're just, they're just standing there like that, right? And then all of a sudden, my worst nightmare happens. My little girl's like, daddy, I think I caught something. And I was like, oh, and I was like, and, and so like, she's excited. And my son is like kind of excited because his sister caught something and, and he didn't. And so I'm like, okay, maybe she's just, maybe she's just imagining this. And so I go over there and, and her, the, the tip of her uh, fishing pole is like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she caught something. And she's like, daddy, get the fish, bring the fish in. And she hands me the pole and I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I'm standing there and I'm like, and, and so, like, I'm, I'm trying to, to pretend like I know what I'm doing, but in, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't, like, if, if the fish comes out of the water, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to take the fish off of the hook. I don't, I don't like, what do I do with the fish? Do I throw it back in there? Like, do I put it in my pocket? Like, what do I do? And so I, in the moment, because I was dad of the year right there, I was like, I have an idea. I'm going to snap the line. And, oh, judging, okay. Um, <laughs> and so like, I'm like, looking, I'm like, and, and, and I flip it back like that real, and the line's whoosh. And I was like, oh, guys, the fish, it went away. And my kids are like, oh. But daddy, you tried. Yes, I did. <laughs> and um, so I'm not outdoorsy. Anyways, here's, here's why, why I'm telling you this bizarre story. Is that when, when uh, it's very similar, I think, and I'll explain. I think it's very similar in the way that you and I encounter the unconditional love of Jesus. Let me explain. So every week we come here and, I, and I'm like, hey, Jesus loves you unconditionally. And we're like, woo! Yes! Some of us, we have tears. Some of us, we get goosebumps. And we're like, whoa, Jesus loves us unconditionally. And then at the end of the service, we have this opportunity. Hey, if you're here and you want to uh, give your life to Jesus, you want to encounter this unconditional love that he's given you, just raise your hand. And we raise our hand. And we're like, whoa. 
But I was thinking about that and, and this idea, the parallel to, to me fishing, like I understood everything up until the point where I encountered the fish. And then I was like, what do I do next? And I think it's very similar in this idea when we're like, I want to encounter the unconditional love of Jesus. And we do. And then we're like, but what's next? What do I do now? How, how is Jesus' unconditional love supposed to affect my life? What does it mean when Jesus' unconditional love encounters me? And so this morning, what I want us to do for the next moments together, I, I want us to look at three responses, three, resp three responses that, uh, that, that we have, that we can show towards Jesus' unconditional love. And I will say this, two of them are probably not the best response. And then I'm going to give you the third one, which I believe is the response that we are all to have, including myself, towards Jesus' unconditional love. And so we're going to do this by journeying through uh, where we left off last week in John chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 19, and here we go. Inside, the priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. So a little recap. Last week, uh, Jesus and his disciples, they just got done with this most awkward dinner party ever. They traveled to the Mount of Olives where they're praying, and then all of a sudden, Judas... He betrays Jesus, and, and all, all the high priests and all the, the religious figures, they, they show up at this Mount of Olives, and they arrest Jesus. Last week, we looked at Peter. He, he was like, no, and he sliced one of the, the, uh, the servants' ear off, and Jesus was like, stop, no. So, so they arrest him. They bring him in, and so this is where, where we're at. Jesus replied, Everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in synagogues in the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. And I love this. Let's pause here for a sec because I, I love this. If, if, if you weren't reading it this way, he, here's what's going on. Jesus was getting a little feisty. He was getting a little fiery. The, the, the head priest, uh, uh, Caiaphas, he's like, what have you been teaching these people? And Jesus' response is, you should know. You were there. Your people were there. And, and he was just, he was really just, just getting feisty. How many people get feisty? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. And he was just getting super feisty, right? So, well, John, how do you know that he was getting feisty? Because what we read in the next verse, uh, it says this, 22. Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. That's how feisty he was. He said, is that the way to answer to the high priest? He demanded. So Jesus, he, he's getting feisty, right? One of the guards was like, that is not how you talk to the And Jesus like, no, he didn't. <laughs> You're like, what? Really? Um, so he gets smacked, and I love what Jesus says. He, he, he goes like this, why did you hit me? He, he says this, 
Jesus, is, he's like, why did you hit me? If I said something that was wrong, prove it. Show me. If I'm lying, then tell me. Oh, you can't, can you? This is what's going on right there. And so within these first uh, four or five verses uh, is our first uh, response that I think that we can have when we're encountering the unconditional love of Jesus. Uh, the first response is this, and this is for you note takers. Uh, response number one, the Caiaphas complex. The Caiaphas complex. So remember, Caiaphas, he was the high priest. The high priest was like, he was the, uh, he was the head of, of the religious sect in this time. He was the head of the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin was the Jewish uh, judicial system. And so the high priest was like, he was a big deal, okay? And I think for a lot of us, uh, when you think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees of, of this time period, we think of, I think of, their pursuit for perfection. See, uh, the religious leaders during this time period, they were very, they, they, they pursued perfection. Well, John, perfection is not a bad thing. Jesus said that we should be perfect. It's true. But here's the difference. Jesus was talking about, uh, in Matthew, he said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So Jesus, he's talking about perfection of the heart. The perfection that these religious people were going through and, and this, uh, th that they were trying to attain was perfection of appearance. So they didn't care about the heart. They just cared about how people perceived them. And so Jesus understands that, that you can work on your appearance all you want. He just needs your heart. Because if he has your heart, then everything else changes, right? And, and so here, here are the religious leaders. They're, they're like, they, 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 they become perfect in their pursuit. They wanted people to see them as perfect. And really, the perfection, what it was, is it was their pursuit for, for false holiness. They wanted to be holy. They wanted people, when they walked into a room, this is not a joke, when they walked into a room, for people to be like, wow, oh, you are so holy looking. Oh, I want to be like you. Oh. This is what they were going for. They wanted their appearance to perceive as it was holy. The only problem is here, it's for you note takers, that holiness resembled haughtiness. Holiness resembled haughtiness. And so while they were walking around trying to make people believe that they were holy, what was going on is that people were beginning they were beginning to, to, to bring their parents this idea that they were better than everyone else. This idea that I am better than you. You read all throughout the New Testament, every encounter Jesus had with the, uh, the Pharisees and, and the religious sect at that time, every single time, they were always judging someone. They were always, they, as a matter of fact, they would look at, G, one of the issues they had with Jesus is that Jesus would, he would hang out with like the prostitutes, the gang 
lords, the, the, the tax collectors, and they would look, they would look at Jesus and like, what are you doing? You're gonna get sin germs on you. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, why are you why are you associating with these people? And I think if we're not careful, when we encounter the unconditional love of Jesus, it is very easy for us to get this complex of Caiaphas. This idea like, I am better than you. You don't have your stuff together. Go away. When you are repentant, then come and I might associate with you. And we, we, we're on this side of, of we're allowing God's unconditional love, our response to be haughty. Our response to, to be like, we are better than you. I am better than you. Oh, you don't go to church? I am way better than you. And it's very easy for us to get this mindset, this complex going. But, but I, I want to say this. like I don't think that this is what Jesus intended when we encounter his unconditional love. I don't think that's it at all. So then there has to be another option, right? We're going to discover that. Let's keep reading in our text. We're picking up at verse 28. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers didn't go inside because it would defile them. And they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. So Pilate, the governor, went out to them and asked, what is your charge against the man? So here's what's going on. Um, the, uh, the, they, they brought Jesus. They went from uh, the, the Jewish law, court of law. They brought it to the governor of Rome, Pilate. Now, here's what's interesting, and this kind of just shows their, their, uh, their mindset of, like, being unclean. So they get to the courtyard of Pilate, and, and, and they say to they say to Pilate, hey, can Pilate please come meet us outside? Because it was uh, the feast of Passover. And, and, and so they knew that they, as a Jew, the Jewish person, they could not go into a house of someone who was non-Jewish. Because it would make them unclean. And so they get to the courtyard and they're like, hey, Pilate, can you come out here? Because we can't go in there. We don't want to be unclean. That mindset, Caiaphas mindset, right? And so Pilate comes out and he's like, okay, what, what is your, what, what, do you, what are your charges against this man, Jesus? Verse 30, uh, we wouldn't have handed him over to you if he weren't a criminal. Then take him away. This is Pilate. Then take him away and judge him by your own law. Only the Romans are permitted to execute someone, the Jewish leaders replied. So, so they bring uh, Jesus to, to Pilate, and they hit a speed bump. And here's the, here, here's the speed bump. Pilate was not willing to persecute Jesus 
based off of a religious crime. And so the Pharisees and the religious people, they knew this. And so what they did is they plotted, uh, they, they, they plotted a, um, a theme to, to, uh, to tell them that Jesus was planning on overtaking the Roman Empire. And so they knew that if, if they couldn't get Jesus off of a religious crime, they can get Jesus off of treason. And so they lied to him. They lied to Pilate. Jesus, he's saying that he's the king and he's going to overtake your kingdom. Then Pilate, got, that got Pilate's attention. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked Jesus. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Like he's being a little feisty there again. And watch, watch uh, Pilate's response. It's like a snarky response. It's like, am I a Jew? That's, that's the tone right there. Pilate retorted, your own, this is Pilate, your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? What have you done? See, in these verses, I believe, is response number two, that when we come and when we encounter Jesus' unconditional love, if it's not the Caiaphas complex, it's number two, it's the Pilate complex. Here's what we got to understand about, about Pilate. One of the reasons why Pilate was unwilling to try Jesus for a religious law is because Rome, in this time period, was a polytheistic uh, era, or polytheistic kingdom, meaning that they believed in multiple gods. So basically, Rome at this time period, it was, come on, whatever you believe, come on, it's okay. As long as it doesn't affect something illegal, like as long as you're not killing someone, as long as you're not doing something that, that, that breaks the law, come. We're very inclusive, come. Do whatever you want, just come, just come. And I think if we're not careful, this can be our mindset when we encounter the love of Jesus. Let me explain. Jesus loves us unconditionally. He loves us unconditionally. In fact, Scripture says that that he died for us in our worst state. So like in our worst possible moment of life, Jesus died for us. That's, that's great. If that's not unconditional, I don't know what is. But here's what I believe the problem is. When we begin to, to, to believe that our response to Jesus' unconditional love towards us, it's, here's the problem. Complacency hinders completion. Complacency hinders completion. So a lot of the times when we think of God's unconditional love, for a lot of us, our response to that is 
Well, God loves me unconditionally, therefore I can do and say and think whatever I want. God loves me unconditionally, therefore I must be good as I am. God loves me unconditionally, therefore I'm good the way I am. If he died for me in my worst state, then clearly it's okay to what I'm doing. And that's a very dangerous place to be at. Because when we begin to think that, that we are good as we are, complacency happens. Like we, we, we begin to think, well, I mean, I guess I'm good. I guess what, what I'm doing is not that bad. You ever said that? And we just keep on doing, keep on living the way that we want to, the way that we have been, because Jesus' love is unconditional and he loves me no matter what, which he does. Please hear me. He does love you unconditionally. But what if Jesus' love, what if Jesus' unconditional love for you wasn't so that you can do whatever you wanted to do, but there's a different reason for it. See, this, this pilot complex right here, like, I understand it. Like, I get, I get this, this area over here. Like, I, I don't understand the Caiaphas mindset, and if you're here, then, and that's you, like, you, maybe you grew up in church as very religious and very, like, haughty, and, and, the, and, and like, I don't get it. But I, I definitely do understand this over here. I definitely understand the pilot complex. I definitely understand going to church, playing on the worship team with a hangover. Come on. Like, I definitely understand this idea that I'm going to keep partying and doing whatever I want to do, even after I've experienced and encountered Jesus' unconditional love, because it's unconditional. This is getting too real. Like, I understand this area right here. So when I'm telling you this, I'm not saying, like, I'm not looking down. I'm saying, hey, I understand. I understand what it's like to, to, to just do the motions of, of Christianity. And I understand what it's like to, to just do the, the, the motions of, of, of religion. But that can't be it. When we encounter God's unconditional love, it can't be just to make us complacent. See, a great verse, Philippians, I believe, chapter 1, or, ah, there it is. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I love this. The Apostle Paul, he's writing the church in Philippi. He's saying this, be confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you so the moment that you encounter Jesus' love, he starts a process inside of you. Begin a good work and you will carry it on until completion. So that word completion, it's this idea that you're not done yet. That how you are right now, there's more that God wants to do in your life and in your heart. 
But the moment we understand and we believe that unconditional means I can, I can stop where I'm at is the moment we become complacent. And the moment that we stop the process of completion that Jesus wants to do in your heart and in your life. And so if the Caiaphas complex isn't our response, and if the pilot complex isn't the way that we respond, then what is our response? What should our response be? When we encounter Jesus' unconditional love, what should our response be? I'm going to tell you. Thanks for asking. Here we go. We're going to pick up at verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. So this is interesting because the reason why Jesus told Peter to put back his sword after he sliced someone's ear off, he says it right here. Because this is not my kingdom. This is not my point. There's something greater for me. How can we learn from Jesus? This idea of like understanding the end result so we're not so affected by the things that are in front of us. Like I know I'm going through something, but my journey doesn't stop here. It keeps going. Let's keep reading. Pilate said, so you are king? <laughs> I added that. Jesus responded, you say I am king. Actually, I was born and, and came into the world to testify to the truth. That's important. The truth. Okay, watch this. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. But watch this. I love this. And Pilate asked, what is truth? What is truth? Response number three, the Jesus complex. The Jesus complex. Pilate said, what, what is truth? We, we read that in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus says this amazing statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, So Pilate is, he, he's saying, so Jesus, what is truth? Little did he know that he was staring truth in the face. He said, I am truth. Now here, here's, what's, here's what's interesting about the truth. When you encounter the truth, there's always a response. We look through chapter 18 and chapter 19, what we read last week and then what we're going to read next week. This idea that every time someone realized that Jesus was the Son of God, they always responded. They always responded. The guards in the garden, they said, who do you think you are? Jesus said, I am. What did they do? They fell backwards. We'll read next week. Uh, the, the, uh, the Pharisees, they, they said, 
we want to get Jesus because he is telling people that he is the son of God. And Pilate's response, he began to become fearful. When you encounter truth, something shifts inside of you. Here's the filler for you note takers. Truth transforms. Truth transforms. Here's what I need you to to know this morning, and then we're going to wrap up. That truth transforms. That when you encounter truth, see, Jesus' love is not just unconditional. It is unconditional, but it's not just unconditional. It's transformational. And so when we encounter the love, unconditional love of Jesus, our correct response should be to transform. Not stay the same. Not become complacent. But to change. Because he who began a good work in you will finish it to completion. He's not done with you. He's not done with where he wants you to be. He wants to do something inside. So how do we do that? How do we transform? How does transformation happen? Three ways. Super simple. I'm not even going to go into detail with them. But it's this. You ask Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you show me? Show me the things in my life, even if I like them. Show me the things in my life that don't line up with your heart. Show me. Then convict me. Holy Spirit, when when I encounter these things, because I will, the devil loves dangling things in front of you. But when I encounter these things, will you convict my heart to know that, hey, this is not what you should be doing? I don't know about you, but every time, like, whatever it is, and I know that it's not right, I'm always hearing something in the back of my head. This is not right. This is not right. Some people call it the conscience. I call it the Holy Spirit. And so, so, so what do we do? So show me, convict me. Now what? Now, Jesus, would you, Holy Spirit, would you give me strength to correct me? Course correct me. Because you can know Jesus can be telling you, hey, this is not right, but you need strength to to walk it out. And when you can have that strength to walk it out, transformation begins to happen in your heart and in your life and in your mind. Well, John, that seems so hard because it seems way easier just to be super haughty and to be like, "Uh, I'm perfect, you guys aren't. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Seems way easier. Or it just seems way easier to be over here and be like, I'm just going to live however I want. He loves me no matter what. Praise God. Like, these seem way easier. And you're right. They are way easier if you're doing it by yourself. And here's the beauty, and then we're done. Romans chapter 6, and we're ending here. I love this. This is the Apostle Paul writing. 
Well then, shall we keep on sinning so that God can keep on showing us more and more kindness and unforgiveness? Of course not. Should we keep on sinning when we don't have to? Here we go. Get excited. For since power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become a part of Jesus Christ. Listen, use flash. Sin was broken over your life. The moment that you encountered Jesus' unconditional love, it was broken over your life. So now it's an option for me to walk in it. I think he skipped some. Through his death, come on, the power of your sinful nature was shattered listen sin has been shattered over your life you just gotta walk in it the hard part is done Jesus said it is finished what's finished Jesus you feeling like you have to work for your sins to be forgiven. I did all the work. I shattered it on the cross. The moment you encounter my love, my unconditional love, is the moment that the strongholds and the sin and the addiction is broken off your life. And if that's not good news, I don't know what is somebody. Listen, Jesus' unconditional love was there to transform you so that he who began a good work in you can finish it to completion. Amen, somebody? Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe, and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.